delightful when I just looked across and saw people that I probably met for the first time maybe seven years ago. I think it was when I first came here to do a women's weekend. I have to just tell you, ladies, there's not another story. It's the same one. I'll just give you the sequel. But it's... Uh, Fasten your safety belts because it's, um, it's not terribly different to when I was there first time. It's just that God's doing more stuff with me. I'm delighted to be here also because, Lisa, I just have to kind of honor you. There weren't very many women ahead of me when I was starting to lead church. And Lisa's been amazing as a friend and as a cheerer who cheered me on. And uh, just keep cheering for her. There's some great things happening here, but you're a, you're a lucky bunch. Um, to have these two here. So um, it's great to be with you. I am going to open Isaiah to you in a moment, but uh, maybe just an update for those who would like an update and for those who uh, don't know who on earth I am and wonder what I'm saying and how gushy I'm getting and going, I don't know who you are, woman. I shall just explain. Uh, I'm from Nottingham, uh, originally from the Isle of Man, and uh, I was a primary school teacher for 20 years, uh, three kids, lovely husband, and I was leading in the church. You can see what was coming next. I'm afraid I broke myself. About 10 years ago, I didn't spot coming the fact that I'd overdone it a bit. A lot, in fact. And I had a massive burnout, breakdown experience about 10 years ago, which was what kind of was the best bit of my story in the end. Um, so I spent a year with voice loss and couldn't get out of my bed. I was saying I knew I wasn't well when I was watching Dallas reruns. And I thought, <laughs> that was, was never good the first time. And certainly, just this moment. And to my shame, I never went to the doctor with that's not the Dallas thing, that's not like a disease. <laughs> I went to the doctor with the voice loss and kept getting signed off from my job, which I loved, because I couldn't do it anymore. But I never said, actually, I am mentally, I am mentally unwell. I'm not coping. Because I thought that was a shameful thing for a Christian leader to say. So I didn't say it. So I didn't get some of the help I could have got. And it took a lot longer, I think, for me to get back to health. My little cup that had been very full had emptied out overnight. And I, the, the cup became the very thing, and many of you were nodding away, that then became the stuff of life for me. I found habits during that time of filling up my cup with little habits of meditating on the Psalms, of uh, centering prayer, of silence together with friends. I never knew about this stuff. I was, a, I was a brethren brought up, and then I became a charismatic evangelical, all of which is fairly driven and godliness is next to busyness. And uh, the quiet habits, the habits that sat me still and sat me down with other people, those were the things that brought me life then and they still do now. That's why I say it's not a different story. I still need my cup every morning and I hold my cup and I, I won't move until I've finished my first cup of coffee of the day. If you, uh, that was hard this morning, I have to tell you, I couldn't make Lisa's kettle work. So it's the most, it was a tepid cup of tea. It's horrible. Now that, and now I've got to drink the stupid thing because I've got this habit that means I've got to drain my cup and sit there with an empty cup every morning. I'm like, I wonder if I could just pour it out, would it still work? And, and it did. So, uh, <laughs> so the habits that bring me life are still the simplest of habits. They are just sit still and the world will still spin on its axis. Sit still for the duration of a cup of tea and meditate on the word of God. The psalm this week uh, we're meditating on is Psalm 27, and the phrase that we're meditating on, and I say we as a renewed family, is you are my stronghold. The day I knew that that was a powerful phrase, and I've told some of you this story before, was before this adventure that I'm just going to show you started with the Renew Centers. I had begun these habits with my cup. I read a book called The Cup of Our Life by Joyce Rupp, and it was really helpful. And then I thought, well, I, I could share these habits with other people. Um, 
And I wasn't quite sure how, but I knew I probably needed to. And uh, I was called into um, a pastoral situation where there was a lady who was dying of cancer. She was a single mom, and her mom had come to visit. And this group of ladies had got together, and they didn't know what to say. And so they got the minister in, because we're supposed to know what to say. Obviously, no idea. And so this dear Welsh lady, and you'll remember this story, some of you, sitting opposite me, looking like death itself. And she goes to me, I've lost one daughter to suicide. I'm losing another to cancer. Where's your God now? don't know, I don't know. So I said, let's just close our eyes and do the meditation because that's kind of a bit cheats way out. But if you've got something that floats, do the thing that floats. And for me, meditation on the word of God is what floats. So we sat there and we closed our eyes and it happened to be you are my stronghold. And I let it go a very long time because I had no idea what I'd say to the woman. She said, just breathe in those words, you are my stronghold. We'll just sit here and I'm going... Open my eyes. She runs across the room, grabs a hold of me and goes, he's my stronghold, Ruth. I don't know what happened. I didn't give her the gospel. In that moment, she encountered God all the way through her daughter's funeral. She kept saying it, and she's still saying it now. Something happens in those encounters with God in the quiet, and we are the holders of some truth and some well-being that is desperately needed, some habits that slow us down where God shows up. This is what we set up three years ago with New Life Baptist Church. For those who've seen this before, forgive me, but it helps those who are new to place. This is what we came up with that might help people who are struggling with their well-being. Um, Renew 37. Let me just show that. I think we're all aware there are huge issues in our nation with mental and emotional well-being. Here at New Life Baptist Church, we decided we needed to do something about what we were hearing in church and community about loneliness and isolation. I myself had had a, a burnout experience, a year of, of real low uh, mood and had found church quite a tricky place to be. But I'd also found that there were really good things about what we did, about connecting and prayer. I wanted to see it where everybody could get at it. I was sitting in our local cafe, Tiffin Tea House, and the ladies who owned the cafe were also concerned about isolation. We're Jo and Diane, we are from Tiffin Tea House and uh, we started five years ago. We wanted to provide a, a comfortable, welcoming environment for our local community. It worked really well for us and we found that actually we were getting people coming in on their own lots, which is really nice. But obviously we kind of started realising that maybe there was a few people struggling a bit with life and, and needed actually a bit more than what we could give them in a five minute chat that tiff in between giving them their tea or their cake. And uh, we, we came across Ruth, who actually had some similar ideas on her subject. We decided together to get hold of this place, 37 Abbey Road, and to knock through to Tiffin Tea House so that there was good refreshments on tap, but to make our half into a place where community activities were always available where there was always a welcome. And we opened our doors four days a week to anybody who wanted to come in any time to start up any sort of activity in the cafe area. We have hosts on hand to help. It was a fantastic start. I've sent a host at Renew 37. That involves looking after all the people that come here, whether they're hosts or regulars. I welcome them and get them settled in comfortably and just generally let them know what we do here. And I'm so blessed to have this as a job. I come in every day 
something different happens. I go home laughing, I go home exhausted, but I love it. it, it is just so rewarding. Remember the first time we sat in this prayer room praying together, three times a day pausing to pray together. And the cafe owners came to join us and people who we didn't think would want to come and pray came. And gradually a community built in this place, Renew 37. And the partnership that I had in the initial stages with the mental health team was really important. I'd been to complain about care in the community for some of our guys in the church and actually realised it was time for us to join in and help there to be places of inclusion and welcome. I'm Rachel Scott, I'm from the Rushcliffe Community Mental Health Team, which also works with the co-production project in partnership with Renew 37. Co-production is a new way of working with community development for mental health, where everybody is equal. So rather than us delivering a service, we actually create a service together. In July of last year, we got some funding to multiply this space because we'd had so many other churches coming to ask us whether I could help them set up. So Cinnamon Network, who were looking for a small social action project that's backed by churches, is now getting behind us to help us to multiply, renew well-being. The second cafe is now opened in Ruddington, a village nearby. There's one in Doncaster setting up, one in the Welsh Valleys, something over in Lydney in the Forest of Dean. People popping in most days interested in how to be present, how to be prayerful, and how to be in partnership to see well-being renewed in their communities. Um, a couple of years ago, you'll notice I looked a lot younger, and um, there are now 14 cafes nationally. I gave up the day job in the summer and set up a charity called Renew Wellbeing, which is a bit like the potting shed at the middle of all the, the Renew centres, are like, are like allotments, if you imagine they're growing Different things, but with the same three seeds. Be present, be prayerful, be in partnership. So a small church, a large church, any church can set this up. The habits and rhythms of prayer, a quiet space to pray, a cafe space where anybody can show up and take on an activity and teach an activity. Everyone is equal and a partnership with the mental health team so they can do what they do and we can do what we do, and we don't start trying to do their job for them. So this is uh, Renew 37. Our potting shed, Renew Wellbeing, is just me and a couple of guys, really, and I really covet your prayers. Even if you don't end up joining in, and I pray that you will, because I can't imagine why a church wouldn't want one of these of some sort. You get more prayer going on in your church, it's good for you. You see, what I did was, instead of me going, right, I've got a little bit in my cup now, because I know these habits, so now I'm going to go and help all these mentally ill people, who I know, because I've met them now, and I understand them now because I've been in their world and some people are still in a really dark place. One in four people with diagnosed mental ill health in our nation and a lot more who don't get it diagnosed. So I'm going to go around and fill their cup with a little bit from my cup until of course as you imagine my cup kept emptying out and then I realised that what we really needed was to do this and so this became my kind of little visual aid is if the presence of God is the thing that heals, the presence of God, the peaceful shalom of God is what well-being looks like. To dwell in him and him dwell in us, then where are the places and the spaces where people can access that life in your life, in your workplace, in your home? What does it look like for you to be dwelling in him? What does well-being look like for you? For me, it's this practice of the presence of God every day in a space that other people can jump in with me if they like, and the kind of authenticity of saying, I also am broken, I need to do this, anybody else, 
It kind of works for me. I was already a Christian and I broke myself, so Jesus isn't just the answer, although he is. I'll need to do some habits as well. Do you want to join me? This weirdly has been beautifully successful and ridiculously simple. And church after church have been coming and saying, can you help us do it? And I don't get to do anything clever anymore. I just get to say the same thing over and over, and it's delightful. I'm meeting people all over the country going, we've spotted a big problem. As a church, we're not addressing it. Will you help us? Delightful. And then I'll go, we'll do less. Show up more. (laughs) Slow down. Pray. Do you know who's in the mental health team? Bless them. It's very, very simple, and it seems to be working. The 40 regulars that come to 37, three years on, are still coming. Some of them have moved on because they've got better. Some haven't. And that will be the journey for some people. And it is okay not to be okay. God can cope with that. But where do you go when that is the case? For me, church was a bit scary. Too many people, too much expectation. People want to pat me and pray for me. Here, Renew 37, the quiet space, people won't pat you and pray for you. You can be not okay for as long as you like to be, but you are surrounded by prayerful people and prayerful space. It's, uh, it's quite delightful. Hear more about it tonight if you're interested. Let's get to Isaiah. Because I was really glad that I was given this passage. Because if you're going to ask people to do this with you, why would they? Some people's view of God is not what we think it is. Some of our view of God is not what it could be, right? I don't know if, like me, you were brought up with a certain image of who God is, and it's hard to shake off, and he's slightly disappointed with you, and you could try harder. And particularly when I became ill, I really was quite cross with myself, because I was a Christian, and all the resources of heaven were mine, and I shouldn't really have got like this. And, And somehow God was not as kind as in my head, as he actually was in practice. And maybe the church has had something to do with that. I don't mean this church, of course. You're wonderful, and I love coming here. I I was reading a book by Ruby Wax, you know, the the comedian, and uh, she wrote a book called How to Be Human, which is quite good. She's had a battle with mental health, except there's this bit, one sentence about everything we live for and believe, and it was, we thought we were doing okay, then Jesus came along, and he told us that we were all sinners, so now we have guilt. End off. That was all that was in the entire book about what the Christian faith has to add to the well-being conversation. Is that really it? And and where's that come from? Where's she got that from? Well, us probably. Somehow we are not putting out there the fact that Christians have got something to say about well-being. This passage. This This is why people might want to join us. Right? If, if we really believe that God is good for us and he is good and we love him and being with him is better than not being with him. The, the best experience of my life was watching Dallas, <laughs> lying in my bed, feeling rubbish, feeling like I must be dying because I couldn't do my life. And I felt like God got in next to me and said, he wrapped his arms around me. And if you've never had this experience, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to pray you do. And he said, I couldn't love you anymore, and I'll never love you any less. And I was doing nothing to earn that. That was beautiful. That's the God I want people to jump in here with. And, and, and that's the God I'm not hearing a lot about sometimes. And sometimes we, we're getting a bit confused because we see Jesus in the New Testament, we like him, and he's kind and good. And then we read the Old Testament, and we go, oh, God's quite angry here. So we'll make a God that's somewhere in the middle. Bit like Jesus, bit like God of the Old Testament, Holy Spirit, that's a bit mysterious, don't really know. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, and this God of the Old Testament is not different from the Jesus of the New Testament. 
This God that says this, come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. If you've got no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk. Whoa. Money, without, and without money, without price. Why do you spend your money on what's not bread and your labor on what doesn't satisfy? Listen, eat what's good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Now, here's a God I want to follow. I, uh, my husband's been on a diet, lost three stone. He was supposed to be helping me lose weight. He obviously just went and did it himself. I've been wanting to feed him Krispy Kremes in the night because it's really irritating. Anyway, he's done very well. And... Um, but what's happened is our home has become a carb-free zone, right? I was delighted to get to Lisa's and there was lasagna and bread. It's great. I'm obviously still imbibing those things. That's why I travel a lot for my job. But um, it is so lovely that God knows what language we will understand. So he takes the language of a beautiful table spread with good food on a hot day of water that we can drink. When we're thirsty and we're hungry, whoa. And on our inner souls, we are thirsty and hungry all the time. Don't kid yourself. That new sofa, that promotion, doesn't really slake your thirst. The beauty of hanging around people who know they are mentally unwell, they know. They know what we've forgotten. They know that they're really thirsty. My friends who are still not well, they know that no amount of things or stuff or happy days are going to take away the hole that's in them, and they will find the God who seeks them. So there's something that we have to learn as well from this whole gift of mental and emotional well-being. So look at this God. I'm just going to say these four things. Who is God? Who is this God? Why would anybody want to join in? I was training a team down in Broadstairs last week, and, and this girl said, sorry, you seem to be implying that we're not going to pray for healing for people. And I went, well, there is healing, but I don't want people to over-offer. So... Start, sit with people, and, and yes, God does heal, but don't be doing the whole wobbly hand thing. And, um, and for some of you, you'll struggle with that, and you'll do that somewhere else, and that's fine. But the whole idea is to keep this safe. So she said, but if God's not going to heal you, why would you want to spend time with him? Now, that's an honest question, right? And there was a bit of a kind of a, <gasps> in the room, and I thought, yeah, but really, we've become magic God people, haven't we? And actually then we busy ourselves about it and we try and make wonderful things happen for people. And what is the point of just spending time with God? Do we know? I'll tell you what the point is this. Come, everyone who's thirsty, come. Delight yourselves in rich food. There's nowhere else I go that satisfies me, nowhere. Nothing else I do that satisfies the inner hunger in me than the time I sit still with my cup every morning. Nothing. No amount of busy stuff fixing other people is going to do that in your soul. He loves you. He is welcoming. He is compassionate towards you, not just so that you can have a ministry to other people, just because he loves you. He made you on purpose. Do you know that? This God is the welcoming God. He's the God who makes a covenant with us. Look at it. This is the Old Testament. This is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story of a God who loves us. I'll tell the story of um, one of the, the ladies who is a regular at 37. She walked past quite a lot. And we, by the way, we call it 37 because it's number 37 on the road, but it's also Psalm 37, do not fret, do not fret, do not fret. And that's still a good game, and everyone who's joined in has picked a number. And so far, nobody's had 152, so it's all been good. Um, but here, she walked past, 
and she started to come in, and it took about three weeks, maybe more than that, for her to feel comfortable to actually walk in the building. And I'd say, glass front, get in, get out, make it really accessible. If you set up a space, and I'm pointing at this space, that works for the most vulnerable person, it'll work for everyone else. But I have to tell you, lots of stuff doesn't work for the most socially isolated. And they'll still be sitting in their houses, and however jolly you put on a meeting, they won't come. So what about if we prioritise the needs of the most vulnerable person? What could that look like? So this lady, Sue, came through our doors eventually, learnt to knit, taught other people to knit, eventually became part of the community, got baptised. And when I said, what did you like about it, Sue? And she said, well, now someone knows my name. Because you see, she goes for a whole week without anyone saying her name. She said, that's why I go to the doctors, because I get my name called out. We live in nice middle-class suburbia. How can it be that we have labelled people that we have not named? Why do we come to him? Because he's the one who knows our name. And he's the one who calls us by name. And this is the welcoming God who's got a people who can also say, oh, he knows my name, so I want to know your name. I don't care about your label. I'm not frightened of your diagnosis because your name is what is written on God's heart and hands. And so... We need to know who God is. Secondly, this beautiful, beautiful poem here tells us we need to know who we are. So look from verse 6. Who are we? Well, there's an awful lot of stuff spoken around mental health about us just being, you know, more confident about ourselves. If we're just more mindful, we'll be able to kind of pull ourselves up somehow. I tried that. I really couldn't do it. Do you know what I see here? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he will have compassion on him. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a seeker. I know that I'm forgiven. And the rest is a mystery to me. I used to know a lot more than this. When I was in my 20s, I did know everything. And now I'm in my 50s, I know a lot less. Because his thoughts are not my thoughts, and his ways are not my ways. And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so his ways are higher than mine. I had no idea when we started this that my funny little habit with a cup was going to spread across a nation. Who knew? Well, God knew. And I still hate it. Every time I stand up, I want to say something clever and profound and theological because I'm a brethren woman in escape. And I want to go, I'm a woman, but I can say these things. And I get to say this story. I was broken and I needed to dip myself in the God who dwells in me. You also can do this. We have a broken world and a beautiful God. Seekers who seek him. That's who we are. And uh, what's the connection then? We've got a God who is amazing. And we've got people who are seeking. Well, we've always had that. So what's so different about this? Well, I think it's in this next bit. Because you see, this, this beautiful Isaiah 55 is actually the culmination of the second part of Isaiah. And it was written to a people coming out of exile who'd been in Babylon and they could go back to Jerusalem. So it's got an application to the people at the time that says, this is actually physically going to get better for you. It's also an eschatological passage, stick with me, that is the end times. At the very end of time, all this will come to pass, and trees will clap their hands. They might actually literally do that. I think they actually will, you know. But it's got an exile, an end times, and an everyday application and I want to just stick with the everyday because it's today that matters at the moment for me and then tomorrow because I'll need to get out of bed again and every day this is true he is still God and he invites you to the table we are seekers and we're still sinners and he still forgives us and here's the connection verse 10 for as rain oh just imagine this as rain and snow fall down 
from heaven and do not return but water the earth. And if ever we were to know that daily water is necessary for the, for the earth, now we know it, right? I've never seen the ground looking so yellow. It's, this is not a one-off thing. It's not like God sent some rain once and then it was all all right and everything grew. This is every single day, more than once a day, and we haven't had it for a while and things are not growing. But as soon as the water comes, and for him, God is saying, so, verse 11, shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. It will succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So the word of God itself, this word, this is a powerful thing. If you don't have a habit of getting this in your head first thing in the morning, and what happened when I was ill was I couldn't, I just couldn't hold it. So that's why I stuck with the Psalms, because they are beautiful prayers, whether you're okay or not. And I even just took one phrase from a Psalm, and I held it for a whole week. And I'm still doing that now, 10 years on. I haven't got a different habit. I do read the rest of the Bible as well, don't hear me wrong, it's not just the Psalms. But my morning habit with my cup, a Psalm, Psalm 27, a phrase, you are my stronghold, you are my stronghold. I can't hold more than that for a day. It might be my age, and it might be my mental health. But I put that in my head to start the day. And it's a powerful word. The word is powerful. CBT will be good. And so will medication and all the other things that you will be offered to help. Talking therapies, they're all good. They're good. Don't hear me wrong on that. But they're somewhere deeper down than your mindfulness and your soulfulness needs something else. And this word gets somewhere and it will be successful. Might take a while, but it will get right into you. And somewhere it'll make a space in you. And that's not all. Because it's not just written word that God's talking about. He is prophesying here through Isaiah. Jesus, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son of the father, full of grace and truth. He lives in us. Look at, the, look at it. Look at the cup. I mean, it's not just us getting ourselves in God. Look where God is. In us. Full of him. Because of the cross, because of Jesus, not because of some mysterious God we can't get near, but because of this beautiful, beautiful saviour who stretches out his hands and says, I know, been there, I love you, I've done it, paid for. Right, this is such good news, right? This is, this is God in us, the hope of glory, Christ in us, in a hopeless situation, there's nothing better than reminding ourselves that he, he will succeed. says it. He'll do what he came to do in your life. If you've invited him in, if he's in you, he will do it. Whatever it is he's doing, it might take a while, but he's doing it now. And what will that look like? Well, here we get. You shall go out with joy. This is where this has been, become a bit familiar to me, brought up in the church. You shall go out with joy. But you know that one. Yeah. We used to go, anyone who went out with anyone called joy, we'd go, eh, eh. Uh, <laughs> And there was always true. My, my, my daughter-in-law is called Joy. And it was like, oh, I can't, no, I can't sing that whilst I'm marrying them. That would be really bad. But <clears throat> this whole thing has become too familiar. Just take away, if you're familiar with it, just hear it again. This is what it looks like. You shall go out with joy. You be led out. This is out of captivity. You'll be led out of exile. You'll be taken out of the darkness, out of your despair, out of the loneliness, out of the isolation. You'll be led out with joy, led forth with Peace. Oh, gosh, if anybody's needing anything right now, that's what it is. I do. Shalom, peace. Isn't that what well-being is? The mountains and the hills will break forth into singing and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Really? I don't know what that means. But actually, how amazing to think that all creation joins in. 
I had this moment, I was down at Ashburnham Place, I was visiting some other people, I'm trying to find um, at the centre of every set of Renew centres, I'm looking for places of retreat where people who are running them can go. Well, you've got Scargill House, that's quite good, right? But I was at Ashburnham Place, and I was meditating on, I was doing a little meditation, I was sitting with my back up against a tree, and there was this moment, beautiful lake, if you've ever been there, beautiful trees, I felt like I was breathing, I was breathing out what the trees were breathing in, and, and all of creation was sort of in harmony in this meditation as we breathed in the presence of God. Have you had those moments where creation itself is going, well, if you're not going to do it, the stones are going to cry out. This, this is... This world he's made isn't rubbish. It's not going to hell in a handbasket. He loves his world, and he's put us in it because of the beauty that's in it. He's renewing the whole earth. This is, this is the, one of our habits is at the end of each day, we do uh, the prayer of examine. In what have I seen the love and beauty of God? You ask yourself. And then what have I not seen his love and beauty? You forgive yourself, and you let him forgive you, and you put it away. But in what have I seen the love and beauty of God? If you go through your day asking yourself that question and go, I'm going to ask myself at the end of the day, you begin to look for it. And instead of just seeing awful things all day, you begin to see his love and his beauty in everything. I mean everything. People's faces, weird things, stuff that happens in the newspaper. There's, there's the sign, there's the hint, there's the whisper of his presence because he's not forgotten this world. He's not getting us out of it. It's not some great rescue mission. He wants us to live in it with well-being. And this, what's it look like? Well, in a Renew Centre, in our Renew Spaces, it, it looks like oh, such beautiful things. A man called Alan, who's in a Renew Centre in Hugglescott, Renew 30, 67 in Hugglescott in Leicestershire, recently made a little video. Leicestershire County Council invited us to talk to them about Renew because they want to roll it out across the whole county. I've only got one church interested at the moment, but the county council want to do it. I don't know, pray for them. Anyway, this, they went and did a video and they interviewed people at the centre, at the council. And this guy, Alan, said, this, I would never have stepped in a church, but this place has changed my life. I don't, I, he said, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to you now because I was so ill, I couldn't speak to anybody and haven't been able to for years. But just being able to go and be treated as a human by name, not by label, and for him to share his hobbies, not just his weaknesses, but also his strengths, and to find a place of peace in the prayer room. I don't know how this is working, but it's working all over the place. And I, uh, I just ask you, even if you don't join in, would you pray? Would you pray that the church works out how to get the beautiful habits of well-being, the God who is just so welcoming out of the privatization of our meetings and into the space where people can access the beautiful peace that is there. What does it look like for you? Ask yourself. If you haven't got any habits with his word and with his presence, well, get some. <laughs> because he loves you. He is compassionate towards you. He made you on purpose. This is my response to this. Isaiah 55, I wrote this on the train yesterday, sitting opposite a young girl who has just come over from France. I'd been talking French to her, which I'm really bad at French, but she looked a little bit lonely and we had a big old chat. And then I kind of lost myself in this. There are people who are lonely all over the place. And all we have to do is work out how to be on our own and then we can work out how to be with other people. And I wrote this, uh, so just forgive me, it's a bit sketchy. I hope I can read my own writing. Who is this God? whose presence makes us well. 
What makes us sure it's safe to be submerged, indwelt? Why would we dwell in him? What makes this big view draw my gaze, this suffering God who doesn't seem to heal me? Why should he be the one for whom I change my ways? Who is he that I seek? Because I'm sure no other thing's enough, no other God, no captivating shiny treat can satisfy this soul thirst. Only one, his presence, his peace, this Father, Spirit, Son. He is the one who just says, come. The one who sets the table makes it all. The one who deals in richer meals without cost. The undeserved banquet for the lost. This God who covenants to dwell in us despite the empty purse and pitiful return. This one who whispers as we listen secrets of a love so great we cannot comprehend his infinitely perfect ways and yet he chooses even pleads to share our days this one who does not hide when it's our turn to seek and unlike ours his word is truth and life comes christ wrapped in flesh so we can hear and see And as he comes to us and dwells, our sin-scorched souls revive with water that's alive and spirit-soaking causes seeds of hope to sprout in disappointed lives. The wheat that will be bred begins to grow. And then I know the God I need to dwell in dwells in me. And I begin to see as if a blindfold's gone, the sun who sets me free, who leads me out in peace and trees seem greener, even if they haven't hands to clap, creation cheers. And it's your breath that breathes in me, the same great breath of hurricanes and stormy seas, the breath that once breathed, it is finished in my troubled soul, rebreathes real peace. The God of new and old, the only one in whom well-being can unfold, in lives that thought there must be more but had their shoulder to the wrong door, this one stands open, banquet laid. And even when I'm not okay, I hear you say, come. Thirsty one, without money or price, dive in, fill up, take life. Lord, I pray over this beautiful church you've had your hand on for so many years. It's so gorgeous to see people who've stuck with it through thick and thin, experts in this world of well-being because of their own pain. Lord, that you're doing something new amongst this church. And I just prophesy over you, open spaces Open spaces of grace where you will be made well and others will come and drink. I pray over you hungry people that as you find bread, that you will show others where to find it too. That as you slake your thirst, the wells will be dug deep for this community. Lord, I pray over this, Skipton Baptist Church, more than they have asked or imagined, well-being for their own souls and for a whole community. That this might be known in the middle of this area as a place where people can dip into the water of life. Lord, let it be so. Not just the beauty of the earth, but the beauty of heaven. Come down and meet with earth in this place. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.